Chapter Five of Eben Holden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Eben Holden: A Tale of the North Country by Irving Bachelor. Chapter Five. Here I shall quote you again from the diary of Uncle Eb. It was so dark I couldn't see a hand before me. Don't point your gun at me, the man whispered. Thought twas funny he could see me when I couldn't see him. Said twas his home and we'd better leave. Told him I was sick, rheumatiz, and couldn't stir. Said he was sorry and came over near us. Told him I was an old man going west with a small boy. Stopped in the rain. Got sick. Out of provisions. About ready to die. Didn't know what to do. Started to strike a match, and the man said, Don't make no light, cause I don't want to have you see my face. Never let nobody see my face. Said he never went out, lest twas a dark night until folks was abed. Said we looked like good folks. Scared me a little, cause we couldn't see a thing. Also, he said, Don't be afraid of me. Do what I can for you. I remember the man crossed the creaking floor and sat down near us after he had parlayed with Uncle Eb a while in whispers. Young as I was, I keep a vivid impression of that night, and, aided by the diary of Uncle Eb, I have made a record of what was said that is, in the main, accurate. "'Do you know where you are?' he inquired presently, whispering as he had done before. "'I've no idea,' said Uncle Eb. "'Well, down the hill is Paradise Valley in the township of Faraway,' he continued. "'It's the end of Paradise Road, and a pretty country. "'Been settled a long time, and the farms are big and prosperous, kind of a land of plenty. "'That big house at the foot of the hill is Dave Browers. "'He's the richest man in the valley.' "'How do you happen to be living here, if you don't mind telling me?' Uncle Eb asked. "'Crazy,' said he. "'Fraid of everybody, and everybody's afraid of me. Lived a good long time in this way. Winters I go into the big woods. Got a camp in a big cave, and when I'm there I see a little daylight. Here in the clearing I'm only up in the night time. That's how I've come to see so well in the dark. It gives me cat eyes.' "'Don't you get lonesome?' Uncle Eb asked. "'Awful, sometimes,' he answered with a sad sigh. "'And it seems good to talk with somebody besides myself. "'I get enough to eat, generally. "'There are deer in the woods and cows in the fields, you know, "'and potatoes and corn and berries and apples and all that kind of thing. Then I've got my traps in the woods where I catch partridges and squirrels and coons and all the meat I need. I've got a place in the thick timber to do my cooking, all I want to do, in the middle of the night. Sometimes I come here and spend a day in the garret if I'm caught in a storm or if I happen to stay a little too late in the valley. Once in a great while I meet a man somewhere in the open, but he always gets away quick as he can. Guess they think I'm a ghost. Dunno what I think of them. 
Our host went on talking as if he were glad to tell the secrets of his heart to some creature of his own kind. I have often wondered at his frankness, but there was a fatherly tenderness, I remember, in the voice of Uncle Eb, and I judge it tempted his confidence. Probably the love of companionship can never be so dead in a man but that the voice of kindness may call it back to life again. "'I'll bring you a bite to eat before morning,' he said presently as he rose to go. "'Let me feel your hand, mister.' Uncle Eb gave him his hand and thanked him. "'Feels good. First I've had hold of in a long time,' he whispered. "'What's the day of the month?' "'The twenty-fifth. "'I must remember. "'Where did you come from?' "'Uncle Eb told him, briefly, the story of our going west. "'Guess you'd never do me no harm, would you?' the man asked. "'Not a bit,' Uncle Eb answered. "'Then he bade us good-bye, crossed the creaking floor, and went away in the darkness. "'Singular character!' Uncle Eb muttered. I was getting drowsy, and that was the last I heard. In the morning we found a small pail of milk sitting near us, a roasted partridge, two fried fish, and some boiled potatoes. It was more than enough to carry us through the day with a fair allowance for Fred. Uncle Eb was a bit better, but very lame at that, and kept to his bed the greater part of the day. The time went slow with me, I remember. Uncle Eb was not cheerful and told me but one story, and that had no life in it. At dusk he let me go out in the road to play a while with Fred and the wagon, but came to the door and called us in shortly. I went to bed in a rather unhappy frame of mind. The dog roused me by barking in the middle of the night, and I heard again the familiar whisper of the stranger. "'Shh! Be still, dog!' he whispered. But I was up to my ears in sleep and went under shortly, so I have no knowledge of what passed that night. Uncle Eb tells in his diary that he had a talk with him lasting more than an hour, but goes no further and never seemed willing to talk much about that interview or others that followed it. I only know the man had brought more milk and fish and fowl for us. We stayed another day in the old house that went like the last, and the night man came again to see Uncle Eb. The next morning my companion was able to walk more freely, but Fred and I had to stop and wait for him very often going down the big hill. I was mighty glad when we were leaving the musty old house for good and had the dog hitched with all our traps in the wagon. It was a bright morning, and the sunlight glimmered on the dew in the broad valley. The men were just coming from breakfast when we turned in at David Brower's. A barefooted little girl, a bit older than I, with red cheeks and blue eyes and long curly hair that shone like gold in the sunlight, came running out to meet us and led me up to the doorstep, highly amused at the sight of Fred and the wagon. I regarded her with curiosity and suspicion at first, while Uncle Eb was talking with the men. 
I shall never forget that moment when David Brower came and lifted me by the shoulders, high above his head, and shook me as if to test my mettle. He led me into the house then, where his wife was working. "'What do you think of this small bit of a boy?' he asked. She had already knelt on the floor and put her arms about my neck and kissed me. "'I am no home,' said he. "'Come all the way from Vermont with an old man. "'They're wore out, both of them. "'Guess we'd better take em in a while.' "'Oh, yes, mother, please, mother,' put in the little girl who was holding my hand. "'He can sleep with me, mother. Please let him stay.' She knelt beside me and put her arms around my little shoulders and drew me to her breast and spoke to me very tenderly. "'Please let him stay,' the girl pleaded again. "'David,' said the woman, "'I couldn't turn the little thing away. Won't you hand me those cookies?' And so our life began in Paradise Valley. Ten minutes later I was playing my first game of I Spy with little Hope Brower among the fragrant stalks of wheat in the field back of the garden. End of chapter 5 Recording by Roger Moline